Hello Church, it's good to be with you today. A few years ago, when our community was in the immediate aftermath of the mudslides in Montecito, it was a pretty rough time. Because we don't live in a big place, it seemed that everybody knew someone who was affected in some way. It was shocking to lose people that night, loved ones who had made a difference every day to their families and the places where they worked. It was disorienting to see whole neighborhoods completely gone, wrecked by the mud and the boulders and the water, forever changed. We heard story after story of what happened to people in that time. Coming right after the siege of the Thomas fires, no one thought that our lives could be so intensely disrupted again. We were sad and angry and stuck in our city, not able to travel. I remember during that time I was reading some headlines from around the world and came across one that said this, Santa Barbara, are you okay? And immediately I burst into tears. I wasn't aware of how much my soul had been absorbing the pain of what our community had been experiencing. So to all of a sudden be offered empathy from a complete stranger caused me to stop and reflect on how I wasn't really okay. Somebody cared. And that caring allowed me to take the space that I needed to weep for what had been lost in all the ways that I, I thought we were all just trying to hold on and survive a truly terrible time. I was reflecting this week on how the whole world is in various stages of the crisis that we're in now. Places like China and Italy and Spain have been hit very hard with the virus. In our country, New York and Michigan have been very hit also. All over the world, it will be the poor who are the most affected. Those who have least access to health care or services those who have historical disadvantages that are made glaringly more evident in this time. When we shift to talk about the economy, the news doesn't get better. The, outward, the outlook seems grim in many sectors and experts are raising alarm bells. All of us will be affected. Yet again, it is the poor who will take the biggest hit. There's an ending to all tragedies yet we don't know how this one is going to play out. We don't know the final outcome. All of us are feeling the effects and who is going to say, hey world, are you okay? How are you really doing? All of us wanna know that someone cares, someone who will check in with us, Someone who is outside of our context yet understands the plight of humanity. Psalm 23 is a passage which reminds us how much God cares. These words of David invite us to reflect on our lives and we use them in many different situations. Today, I want us to hear them 
from a shepherd who truly tends to us, who wants to check in on us and make sure that we are doing well, who reminds us that we are safe in his presence to simply be his sheep. The Lord is compassionate and attentive to all of our needs because it is he who made us. As we read these words, hear them as from your God. They are meant for you so that you can pay attention to how your soul is absorbing the circumstances in which you live, which we know is a difficult space for all of us right now. So Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. We thank God for this inspired word. A professor I read from Luther Seminary said how this psalm is a necessary scripture for all Christians. He said, like a putter is essential for golfers and a chef's knife is an essential tool for those who cook. Psalm 23 is an essential text for the daily life of faith. You can get along without any of those three but who would want to? Often this scripture is read at funerals and it brings comfort to many and that's good and appropriate, but these words are also meant for life. They are meant for what it means to follow God today. So let us not read this for sentimentality, for what emotions it evokes in us. Let us read it as inspired for David and for us now, as the Holy Spirit assures us of his grace. This is considered to be a psalm of trust. Trust psalms in the Bible usually include a cry for help in the middle of a disaster and the corresponding confidence that all will be well in the hands of the Lord. Scholars have noted that while it might be normal for a psalm writer to cry out in despair during a crisis and leave it at that. It is that very crisis that reveals the trust they show, the trust they want to have. Can we say amen to that? When we are surrounded by incredible impossibilities of any kind, our best option is to choose 
to trust in the Lord. Here in this psalm, we don't see much complaining, but there's beautiful imagery of how David depends on God for all things. This is because psalms of trust are rooted in the promises of Yahweh. We know that when we express trust in one another, it is because there has been a promise made in that relationship. I will be your friend. I take you for better or for worse. I will work for the wages you are going to pay me. In life, we have a choice of whether or not we will trust Yahweh. Do we think he cares about us? Do we believe he will care for us? David is telling us we have a shepherd we can rely on, one who is with us in all we experience. As we think about this psalm and reflect on God as our shepherd, let's consider some of the meanings here from some of the lines of the poem. David says, I shall not want. This is an invitation to adjust our priorities. We want a lot in life. Besides being a consumer-based people, we have numerous ideas every day of things that we want to see happen. As the pandemic quarantine stretches on, people are starting to get more vocal about what it is that they want to see happen. This is causing more division in our nation when it seemed like that was not even possible. The Hebrew language here, though, means I lack nothing. That changes the meaning a little bit for us. So we stop and we consider, is there something that we want that is actually a lack from the Lord? If we don't have something from God, it's usually because we have an inability to ask for it or we have an inability to receive it. God wants you to have what you need from him. So as we read this and consider this, let's think about what is that? What is it that you need from the Lord right now? Another line says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. This is an invitation to reset our schedule. Well, that's happened in the last month, hasn't it? What have you found out about yourself as a person since you haven't been able to go about life as usual? A lot of people are saying that when regular life opens up again, they're not going to go back to the ways that they did things before. They're going to make changes about how it is that they spend their time. Excellent idea. If you haven't thought of that, if you haven't talked about that with someone you trust or with your family, I encourage you to do that. How is your life going to be different now that we've all reset our schedules? David says, he leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. This is an invitation to calm. 
The author George Knight says this, God gives me back my life. This is the clarion call of Sabbath rest. We are led by the shepherd in order to remember that we are beings created by him and for him. Stillness is the place where we let go of our striving, where we let go of the distractions that bind our soul somehow to this world, whatever that looks like. Going beside the still water is turning off and winding down, which is necessary each week, even more so now. We have to take a break from everything around us. Pastor Shannon reminded us this week in her Wednesday word, take a break. Take a break from the news. Stop listening. Take calm in the presence of the Lord. David tells us that God leads us to places where we can fully know his peace. He leads us in right paths. This is an invitation to change our direction. Why? David says we change our direction for God's namesake. We follow where he leads for his glory, not our own. If there are places we are going that don't honor God, are we willing to be led away from them? This causes us to wonder who's in charge of our life, who is in charge of the direction. God changes our direction for his namesake. You are with me as I walk through the darkest valley. This is an invitation to heighten our awareness of God. A few years ago, I heard a sermon where a pastor asked if we were camping in the dark valley or if we indeed were walking through it. Sometimes it's true we can't find our way out of the dark of depression. But sometimes we choose to stay in our pain on purpose. We camp there. The pastor's point was that if you keep walking, God will get you out of there. The assurance that God is with us does not erase evil or suffering. Yet we trust in his power as we face the overwhelming darkness of our days. We hold his hand and believe whatever we face, he is there knowing what to do. He prepares a table for us. This is an invitation to rethink our position in life. It's an interesting picture of lavish provision in front of our enemies. This is God reminding us that those who are brought low in life have an elevated place in his kingdom. We are honored guests at the king's table as only a person of significance would have been anointed with oil, would have their cup overflowing. And it causes us to wonder, as those enemies are sitting there and God has provided this table, do we invite our enemies to eat with us? Do we ignore them? Do we gloat over them? 
interesting picture for us to think about and pray about. Surely God's goodness and mercy follow us all of our days. This is an invitation to remember God's character. God is relentless in seeking out the lost and those who are needy. The Hebrew here, the word is actually not follow. It says goodness and mercy pursue us. God actively runs after us. We may have enemies, but God is all around us and he has our back. This psalm invites us to see where our shepherd provides, where he protects, and where he leads us. We know, like sheep, we are vulnerable creatures, especially when we are on our own. We wander away, we get lost, we don't have all the defenses we need against predators, we get panicked and stressed, the Bible talks a lot about the relationship that the shepherd has with the sheep because we are people who can easily be preyed on by the lures of life. We can get entangled by the pitfalls all around us. To know God as our shepherd is to know with great certainty that there is one who gathers us, who brings us to safe places. On the cross, Jesus showed his deep love for everyone he created. He knew we were not okay. We needed a good shepherd who would give his life for the sheep. He became just like us so he could show us what depending on the Father looks like. Taking communion is our act of trust. Choosing to come to the table means we believe he cares eternally for us. We look to him to feed us. We say to him, Lord, we are weary and we need rest. Please deliver us from our enemies. Please help us even while the enemy is still among us. Beside the beautiful water and in the green pasture, God is present. In the depths of sorrow and fear and suffering and rage and despair, God is with us. In all of the times, we are safe when we trust the Savior. It doesn't matter how much we have lacked trust or failed to follow in the past, or even this week. Jesus is with us in all of it. Today is an opportunity to exercise our dependence on the Lord, showing we trust him in our hearts and through our actions. Jesus is the good shepherd who knows his sheep. He knows what is going on for you right now. He wants to meet you where you are. So we simply come to his table. We approach, we approach his table set lavishly for us and remember 
his sacrifice on our behalf. He invites us to die to ourselves so that we might live and depend in him. We're going to read a short liturgy and Mark will join me. The words will be on the screen so you can read along. And after we've read the liturgy, I will invite you to partake of the elements that you have gathered together at home. If you've not yet gotten them together, now would be a good time to hit the pause button and do so. You don't have to be a member of any church in order to receive the body and the blood of our dear Lord Jesus Christ. What is necessary is a contrite heart and a willingness, a willingness to have the Lord be our shepherd. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.